morning, everyone. So we're going to be um, continuing our series um, on discipleship, Come Follow Me, and we're going to be uh, focused in Galatians 5. Um, so if you want to turn in your Bibles there, you'll be ready when we get there. Um, we'll look at a few passages before we get there, but um, that's going to be the primary passage that we're looking at. All right, so I'm going to start with a prop and an illustration. So I'm going to need a volunteer. So preferably someone who might be less than 10 years old. Are you willing to be bold and come up here and give me a hand? Simon, do you have your hand up? Okay, would you come up here? Great. It's the first hand I saw. So someone got this for us a while ago, and at one point we turned it on with it like that, so plastic flew everywhere. So, so anyway, Simon, don't touch the top of that or you might cut your hand. Um, so do you know what this thing is for? Okay. Do you know what it's called? Okay, that's okay. You can still pass, like you can still service well here. So could you, like how does it work? What, do you know? Um, like how does it work up here? So you have to turn it on. What's it for? What's this thing for? There we go. Thank you. Okay. So, so you don't know the name of it, but that's okay. So you don't know what the name of it is, but what is it for? What does it do? Grind things. Crying, Grind. grinding, grinding things. Okay, yes, it's for grinding things. And so, if you had something in here to grind, what would you do? Turn it on. Okay, so you want to go ahead and try that? It's not plugged in. <laughs> okay, is that important that we plug it in? Okay, you're going too quickly to that part. Um, <laughs> so, so, like, what if we put this stuff in and just kind of like you know, there's blades in there. I mean, maybe if we shook it around, the blades would cut that stuff up and it was... No. Maybe we could get some flowers and turn it into a vase. No. You would have to turn it on so the blades can move. Okay. And it has something to do with this. Yeah. You're kind of, you you're kind of getting to the punchline. Okay, great. So you don't think we should turn it into a fishbowl instead? No. Okay, doorstop, paperweight, I mean, just feel how heavy this thing is. Go ahead. Is it pretty heavy? Do you think it would make a good paperweight? It could. Okay, all right, all right, good. Okay, thank you, Simon. Appreciate your help. You did a great job. <clears throat> and I'm going to put this down here because otherwise you're going to be distracted by our Vitamix, I think. So... All right. So the point's pretty simple. Right? No power, you can't fulfill your purpose. So we're in the midst of this discipleship series, Come Follow Me, right? We are disciples of Jesus, we, which means we're learners and we're followers. Jesus is our teacher and he's our master. And it has implications, right? If you want to follow Jesus, you don't just walk an aisle, sign a card, 
and get like a get out of hell free card that you stick in your back pocket and then go live however you want, you know, sprinkle in a, in a little church attendance and maybe a few bucks in the offering box until you die and then go to heaven. No. The gospel is a call to repent and believe and follow Jesus. Okay, it's a call to empty our hands of anything that we love more than God, anything that we worship, prioritize ahead of God. It's also a call to drop any attempts at getting right with God by our own merits. Okay? So we drop the idols, we drop the self-righteousness, you turn from all of that, that's called repentance, and you trust in Jesus alone as your Savior and your Lord. He is the only Savior. We cannot save ourselves. He is the only one who can atone for our sins. We can't self-atone. He is the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. So we have got to deny our desire to be Lord of our own lives. We die to ourselves. We die to our sin. We are crucified with Christ. The old is gone, and the new life begins, trusting and following Jesus. So that new life, this is kind of a summary of where we've been, that new life is lived with a new purpose. It's like a new beacon got turned on, and we're heading in a new direction. And now, rather than living for ourselves, for our own reputation, our own glory, we live for the glory of God and the good of others. We don't have to be selfishly turned in on ourselves. So that beacon orients us, and the path is a path of love. Love God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Actually, love as I have loved is what Jesus said. He laid down his life for us, and we lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. All that can seem kind of daunting, can't it? I mean, just think about what we just sung. Jesus on my cross have taken. It just comes right out of Mark 8, that passage that, that uh, Josh read. So Jesus on my cross have taken all to leave and follow thee, destitute, despised, forsaken, thou from hence my all shall be. Perish every fond ambition, all I've sought or hoped or known. Go down a little further. Let the world despise and leave me. They have left my Savior too. Down a little further, man may trouble and distress me. Life with trials hard may press me. A little further down, go then, earthly fame and treasure. Come, disaster, scorn, and pain. Like, who wants that? How, how, how do you handle that? How do we do this? How do we walk this road? How do we persevere in whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God? How do we persevere in loving our brothers and sisters as Jesus has loved us, we need power, don't we? So where's the power? It can seem kind of heavy and daunting, but the purpose this morning is actually to encourage, encourage you. We've got all kinds of resources to be faithful and fruitful disciples. So we should actually come out of here excited because of what is at our disposal that's the point, okay? So the call to come and die and follow Jesus can sound like all loss. But wait, we're going to focus on the power that's available to us. So I, I don't know anybody here. Did you watch the A-team? I watched the A-team when I was growing up. 
Come on, anybody. Please raise your hand so that I know. Okay, there's a few of you. That's good. For those of you that didn't, the opening monologue. I wish I could have this guy's voice. In 1972, a crack commando unit was sent to prison by a military court for a crime they didn't commit. These men promptly escaped from a maximum security stockade to the Los Angeles underground. Today, still wanted by the government, they survive as soldiers of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, maybe you can hire the A-team. Okay, so, so here's what happened with the A-team many times. If they had some daunting task in front of them, you know, it was impossible because nobody else could help, right? You called the A-team for those kind of jobs. And so these guys, this motley crew would kind of sit around and, how are we going to do this? Like, this is... And then Hannibal, who is the leader, or Face, or Murdoch, or B.A. Baracus, Mr. T, um, would show the rest of the team some cache, 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 I don't know, anyway, of weapons, or some abandoned warehouse that had like all these tools and, and metal and all this stuff, and they could just create whatever they needed to get the job done. And all of a sudden, everybody's eyes would light up, and they would go from, how are we going to do this, to let's do this. Right? Because all of a sudden they've got the resources now. So remember, we sung, you know, destitute, despised, forsaken, right? But we also sung, yet how rich is my condition. God and heaven are my own. So human hearts and looks deceive me. You are not like them. You're not untrue. Oh, while thou dost smile upon me, God of wisdom, love, and might, foes may hate and friends disown me, show your face and everything's bright. I've got, I've got so many resources for following Jesus on this road. Soul, then know thy full salvation. Rise o'er sin and fear and care. Joy to find in every station something still to do or bear. Think what spirit dwells within thee. Think what Father's smiles are thine. Think that Jesus died to win thee. Child of heaven, canst thou repine? Old word, but means fret and be miserable. Can you fret and be miserable when you are a child of heaven and Jesus died to win you? And you have the Father's smile rather than his frown and rejection? You're his. You're justified. You're at peace with him. He is for you and not against you. So haste thee on from grace to glory, armed by faith and winged by prayer. Heaven's eternal days before thee. God's own hand shall guide thee there. So God is not stingy. He's not distracted. He's not reluctant to give us what we need. He's given us his best. He continues to give us his best. So a great way to summarize that, he's given us his son. So Romans 8, 32, awesome passage. If he did not spare his own son, like he's given us the best gift. If he did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, willingly, graciously, from his heart, how will he not also together with him graciously give us all? All things, everything that we need to make it all the way home, right? So he's given us his son. He's also given us his spirit. Remember in um, John 14, before Jesus 
died and um, was raised, he's speaking with the disciples, and he said, I will ask the Father in John 14, 6, and he will give you another helper. He will give you another helper. So I'm going to be gone, but I'm not going to leave you as an orphan. You're not going to be abandoned. I'm going to give you another helper. He's going to give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. So all kinds of resources. We should be encouraged by the power, the resources that are ours to follow Jesus. So as we follow Jesus as his disciples, let's look first at what empowered his ministry, and then we're going to look at what empowers our faithful following of Jesus. So first, Jesus' power. Where did Jesus get the power to do God's will, to fulfill the will of the Father, to do the work that the Father had called him to do, to glorify the Father and to love everyone he met and lay down his life for us? How did he do that? How did he follow the Father all the way to the cross? How would you answer that question? Would you be inclined to say, well, he was God? So, of course, he had the power to do it. Well, okay, yes, he was fully God. But he was also fully human. Right? He is the human par excellence. So how did he do it as a human being? Fully human. Well, Chris read these passages about the Spirit of the Lord is going to be on the servant of the Lord, who is Jesus. And turn with me to to Luke chapter 3, or I think these verses will be up on the screen if you want to follow along this way. Where did Jesus' power come from? Look at Luke 3.21. Now, when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized by, by John the Baptist, And he was praying, the heavens were opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. And look at verse 23, Jesus, when he began his ministry, was about 30 years of age. So the point is, this anointing, this empowerment by the Spirit happens right before he begins his public ministry. That's not coincidental. So look at chapter 4, verse 1, the very, um, well, yeah, chapter 4, verse 1. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, and Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by the devil. And there's that, you know, spiritual warfare that's going on in the wilderness, right? Right? So the Spirit descends right as he's beginning his ministry, and full of the Spirit, Jesus goes out to fight, like to to deal with the temptation that the devil was going to bring him. And then look at verse 13. When the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time, and Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And a report about him went out through all the surrounding country, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. 
he unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. This is the last passage Chris read from Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. So where did Jesus' power come from? From the Spirit of God. He was anointed by the Spirit. He was full of the Spirit. He operated in the power of the Spirit. The Spirit of the Lord was upon him to do all that he was called to do. And guess what? The same Spirit is available to all of us. The same Spirit that empowered the Lord Jesus, whom we follow, is available to all of us. That same Spirit indwells every genuine believer in Jesus. That same Spirit empowers us to follow Jesus wherever He leads us so that we can be faithful disciples who make disciples. So that's Jesus' power. Now, our power to follow Jesus. So disciples are supernaturally powered, like <laughs> the plug needs to be plugged in, right? Supernaturally powered by God's grace, by His Spirit. This is actually promised in the new covenant. The promise of the new covenant is that the Spirit will be given to us so that we are empowered from the inside out. The old covenant, right, the law was written on tablets of stone. There's no power in the law out there to make me a new loving person in here. Good laws, but no power to change me. So the new covenant promise was Isaiah 36, 26 to 27. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone, cold, hard, selfish heart, and give you a heart of flesh, a soft heart. And I will put my spirit within you. And listen to this. Cause you. You see, that's where the power comes from. I will cause you to walk in my statutes. I will cause you to be careful to obey my rules. So he puts within his people his very own presence, his power, so that we can follow. So our power to follow Jesus comes from the Spirit of God. We come alive by the Spirit, and we live by the Spirit. And that leads us to our passage here in Galatians 5. We are alive by the Spirit, and we live by the Spirit. That's where our power comes from. So we'll look at these in turn. As Christians, we begin by grace. Right? I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. We don't earn that. We can't, you know, pay for it. We begin by the Spirit. It's a gift. It's free grace. We begin, actually, with a miracle, the miracle of the new birth. You must be born again. How does that happen? It happens by the Spirit, right? It's how we come alive. It's how we become Christians, it's how we stop wandering away from God, making a mess of our lives. We have this new start. 
We're new creations in Christ. The old is gone, the new has come. So by God's grace, through the gospel, as the Spirit of God causes that truth, like a seed, to sink into the soil of our lives, and he causes it to grow. <clears throat> it makes us new from the inside out. <clears throat> so we begin that way. We only live by grace, by the gospel taking root as the Spirit works internally. But we don't just begin that way. We need to continue this way. It's not just how we come alive. It's also how we must live. So we're going to look at chapter 5 here, but a little Galatians context will show us that the Galatians were in trouble of kind of reverting back. So they were going back to the law as far as how they related to God. They had begun by the Spirit, but now they were trying to be perfected in their own strength by the flesh. Anybody resonate with that? Have you ever fallen into that, like, ditch, that pit? It's really easy. Have you ever tried to do what God calls you to do in your own steam? I just don't have time to pray. <laughs> well, that's kind of crazy, isn't it? I mean, sin is crazy. Like, we're all, we're all a little crazy. I mean, it would be like saying, I just don't have time to stop and fill up my car with gas. And then your car runs out of gas. Like, you've got to have gas in the car if you're going to get there. I don't have time to eat or drink water. Like, that's going to go bad really quick. So, we cannot follow Jesus in our own steam. So, we begin by grace and we continue by grace. We begin by the Spirit. We continue to live by the Spirit. I mean, it'd be like, you know, plugging it in to start and then shut it off and trying to, like, spin the, the blades with your finger. Well, that's dumb. Keep the thing plugged in. So Paul summarizes chapter 5 in verse 25. So if you're using the Pew Bible, you can find it on page 975. We're going to walk down through this, so I'd encourage you to follow along in your Bibles because um, we won't be bouncing around here at this point. So... Galatians 5.25, if we live by the Spirit, if we're alive, we have new life by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let's keep living by the Spirit. So let's look through this passage and see the context for, for that summary statement. We're going to see the how. We're going to see how we follow Jesus. There is power. There are resources to be faithful disciples. We follow Jesus by the grace of the gospel in the power of the Spirit. We follow Jesus by the grace of the gospel, because the book of Galatians is all about the gospel, <laughs> not losing sight of the fact that it's all by grace, through faith, okay, not by works of the law, and it's in the power of the Spirit. So if we are alive by the Spirit, let us also live by the Spirit. Okay, verse 13. For you were called to freedom, brothers. That's the way you want to live, right? You don't want to live enslaved. <laughs> so you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. 
So Paul is contrasting the flesh here with love, right? So the flesh is selfish, self-centered, doing it for me. The opposite of that is love. That is actually the path of freedom. We're supposed to use our freedom not for our own selfish purposes. The gospel frees us, you know. We're set free by the truth. But it sets us free not to live selfishly for our own good, but lovingly for the good of others. So don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Through love, serve one another. That's what the law is all about. So Paul contrasts the flesh with love. There are consequences if the flesh takes over. Okay? It gets carnal. It gets like, you know, survival of the fittest. Red in tooth and claw. Look at verse 15. If you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. So if you live for yourself, you're not going to be satisfied. You're just going to actually get hungrier, and you're going to start biting and being a consumer in relation to those around you rather than a loving servant. See, when we live by some other law than living by the power of the Spirit, if we are living selfishly, it's never going to actually satisfy us. Selfishness never satisfies. It just makes us hungrier. So we just start biting and devouring and using people to try to fill up and satisfy our hunger, and it never works, right? Like, in your home, has this ever happened, where biting and devouring has kind of been the rule of the day? Yeah, it's, it's a result of selfishness, right? But if by the Spirit we are filled up, if we remember the love of God for us, in the gospel, if it becomes real to us, we're filled up, then all of a sudden, we don't need to bite and devour. We're actually freed to serve. We don't have to use the other person to get what we want. We can serve the other person because God has met our needs. So if you bite and devour one another, watch out. Don't live by the flesh. You're going to consume one another. It gets ugly. So, Paul goes on. He had contrasted the flesh with love. Now he's going to contrast the flesh with the Spirit in verse 16. The Spirit is how you conquer the flesh and live a life of love. Look at verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, which walking is kind of like a metaphor for discipleship, right? Following Jesus in his footsteps. Walk by the Spirit, which is direction and it's empowerment. It's where you go and how you get there. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. The Spirit is how we end up serving one another through love. So instead of submitting to the flesh, using your freedom for selfish purposes, you submit to the Spirit and use your freedom to serve others in love. So when the flesh rules, we bite and devour and we threaten to consume one another. I mean, we cut each other down. We, um, I mean, we do this all the time. 
like biting comments. We even use that language. Why do we do that? Because we are threatened, because we feel like somebody's taking a pound of flesh, because we're looking out for us. We're empty. And so we bite to try to minimize the losses or something like that or try to protect ourselves. But when we're filled up, even if someone is unkind to us, we can bear the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, because we're running on the Spirit, because we're filled up by the Spirit. When the Spirit rules, when we live by the Spirit, we're filled with grace, filled with love, and we no longer need to be on the take with others. We're enabled to serve them in love. So filled up with God's love, we can serve others in love, and we fulfill the law, like it says in verse 14. So this is a fight, right? <laughs> this is the fight, of the fight of faith. We've got to wage this every day. So look at verse 17. The desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. The desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. So we need to crucify the flesh and submit to the Spirit. We need to not live according to the flesh, but live according to the Spirit. If you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. You don't have to be governed by the law. You certainly don't have to pursue being right with God by works of the law. Verse 19, now the works of the flesh are evident. Think about how selfish all of these are. Think about how this is using others for my own good. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. All of them selfish for my gain. And don't threaten my gain or I'm going <laughs> to bite and devour you. So Paul warns them. He says, I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God, but the fruit of the Spirit. You see the contrast there? The works of the flesh, the fruit of the Spirit. It's not about what we do. It's about what the Spirit produces in us. Again, it's a gift. It's by grace. We begin by the Spirit. We continue by the Spirit. We are totally dependent on this power and these resources from start to finish. We don't produce this in our own strength and steam by our own works. The only works that we can end up really producing are nasty ones, like in verses 19 to 21. But the fruit of the Spirit is sweet, right? Love, joy, Peace. This is what the power of God can produce. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. <laughs> you don't have to even worry about an external law code like don't murder, don't steal when you're led by the Spirit. Because what does the Spirit lead you to do? Love and serve. To be loving and patient and kind and faithful. So you don't have to worry about murder and stealing because you're seeking to give and to protect and provide and bless, right? So those who belong, verse 24, to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh. So 
There is this war being waged, and we want to die. We want to kill the flesh, and we want the Spirit to fill us. We want to be governed by the Spirit. We want to be led by the Spirit. We want to be filled by the Spirit. We want to bear the fruit of the Spirit because that's our power for following Jesus and being faithful and fruitful disciples. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh. Earlier in Galatians chapter 2, I am crucified with Christ. Therefore, I no longer live. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So if we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Walking by faith, led by the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit, on the path of love. Okay? So back to the electricity metaphor. So the gospel is like the power station. Like crazy bazillion gigawatt power station. And the Spirit is the delivery system. So you've got to get that power station to your coffee maker or your blender or your computer. Like a computer is an amazing thing, but if it's not plugged in, it's just a a heavy paperweight, expensive paperweight. So we as human beings, we considered this last week, made in the image of a loving God, we ought to be loving. We ought to be giving our lives in love for other people. This ought of design that we talked about last week. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Just like sugar ought to be sweet and salt ought to be salty, right? There's something weird, there's something wrong if Christians are not loving So we know that there's a battle here, right? We know this is not easy, that sin is what's wrong, and we are are just like spring-loaded to be selfish. We are so prone to wander. Sin is like a power, (coughs) and we know our weakness, right? We know the power of the flesh, the simple impulses to live for ourselves. So where is the power to change, to follow Jesus wherever he leads us? We've got to plug into the power source. The power of the Spirit, by the power of the Spirit, we can crucify the flesh and live a life of love. So we've got to be plugged in. How do you do that? How do you get plugged in? Well, I don't want to oversimplify, but this is absolutely true. All you have to do is ask. All you have to do is ask. So, anybody here feeling weak? Anybody feeling defeated? Unable to do what you need to do? Overwhelmed? Feeling like a failure? We can ask. Listen, on the truth of God's word, we can ask. I want you to consider this final text as we close. Luke 11, 9 to 13. Listen, this is the character of our God. He is not stingy or reluctant. He is willing. He is generous. 
And so Jesus says to us, I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? We need to take God at his word on this. I mean, why do we think we're here this morning? We are here this morning to be shown the resources that are ours. And then he says, just ask. Trust me. So I'm going to close with a quote from Francis Chan. He wrote a book called Forgotten God, Reversing Our Tragic Neglect of the Holy Spirit, and he wrote this. It should be up on the screen here. I don't want my life to be explainable without the Holy Spirit. I want to live in such a way that I'm desperate for Him to come through. I think we could all agree that living according to our sinful flesh is not what is intended for us as children of God. Yet even so, we often choose to face life's issues and circumstances in exactly the same way as someone without the Spirit of God. We worry, strive, and grieve no differently than unbelievers. While it is true that we are humans like everyone else, it's also true that we are humans with the Spirit of God dwelling in us. Yet whether consciously or not, we essentially say to God, I know you raised Christ from the dead, but the fact is my problems are just too much for you, and I need to deal with them by myself. No matter where you live and what your days look like, you have the choice each day to depend on yourself, to live safely, and to try to control your life. Or you can live as you were created to live, as a temple of the Holy Spirit of God, as a person dependent on Him, desperate for God the Spirit to show up and make a difference. <clears throat> when you begin living a life characterized by walking with the Spirit, that is when people will begin to look not to you, but to our Father in heaven and give Him the praise. So let's plug in, brothers and sisters, by prayer Let's pray now, and we're going to sing the song Living Faith, which is a song calling us to not a dead faith, not a faith that's run in our own steam, but a living faith that's empowered by the Spirit of God as we follow Jesus. So let's pray, and we'll sing. Father, I pray that you would Fill us by your Spirit. That you would empower us to put the flesh to death, to welcome the work of the Spirit, the power of the Spirit, the resources of the Spirit, so that we are faithful disciples who bear the fruit of the Spirit and reflect the beautiful character of Jesus as we follow him. We pray it for his glory and in his name. Amen.